This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. The number of physicians in Canada has mushroomed in the last few years. So why do so many of us have trouble getting in to see a doctor in a reasonable amount of time? We'll drill down. And is there still sex in the city? That's the title of a new book from the author of the 90s blockbuster, Sex and the City. I talked to Candace Bushnell about revisiting the dating scene as a 50-something divorcee. But first, hear your Zoomer headlines from around the world. If you're a senior in this province who regularly gets B12 injections, you could be wasting your time. A U of T study found that most people receiving them had no evidence of a B12 deficiency. And the lead author, Dr. William Silverstein, calculated that the inappropriately prescribed shots cost the province's health care system over $45 million a year. Over-the-counter B12 tablets are a fraction of the cost of shots and have been shown in other studies to work just as well. The study is published in JAMA. America's most famous food and lifestyle guru is ready for her entry into the cannabis market. Hi, I'm Martha Stewart. And that's a good thing. 78-year-old Martha Stewart says the CBD line of products she's developing with Canopy Growth will likely be on sale in the middle of 2020. That's the same company working with Zoomer Radio's parent company, Zoomer Media, to develop new medical and recreational cannabis products specifically for the older demographic. The Smith Falls-based company is hoping to leverage Martha Stewart's knowledge of consumer products with CBD for humans and pets. This week, trains were disrupted as dozens of demonstrations were held across France to protest President Emmanuel Macron's proposed overhaul of the country's retirement system. He says the current state-funded pension system is too costly and complicated, with 42 different systems for various professions. He wants to replace that with one unified, sustainable pension scheme. France's current retirement age is 62, and the government has promised not to modify that, but under the changes, some people may have to work longer in order to get their full pensions. He was a two-term French president, longtime standard bearer of the conservative right, and mayor of Paris for nearly two decades. Jacques Chirac died this week. He was 86. His son-in-law says Chirac died peacefully among his loved ones. While a cause of death was not given, Chirac had repeated health problems since leaving office in 2007 after serving as president since 1995. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Over the past five years, the number of physicians in Canada has skyrocketed. The profession has grown by 12.5 percent, 
nearly triple the growth rate of our population. But the latest numbers, published by the Canadian Institute for Health Information, beg the question. Why do so many people still find it so hard to get in to see their doctor in a reasonable amount of time? I drilled down on the numbers with Dr. Sohail Gandhi, president of the Ontario Medical Association. The fact that the number of doctors uh, has risen, uh, my comment is thank God, you know, hope it continues. Um, I think that it's important to recognize that while the number has risen, we still are relatively underserviced. And by that, what I mean is that if you look at uh, Canada's numbers, according to Kaihai, we have 241 doctors for every 100,000 people. If you look at countries where the wait times are less, where the um, time to get in to see your family doctor or specialists are much less, the average in Europe right now is 390 for every 100,000 people. Right, So we're actually about 50% fewer, even though we've had an increase in the number of physicians. Um, you know, Mongolia has 290 doctors for every 100,000 people. So we're behind Mongolia in the number of doctors per capita. So we have 90,000 doctors. Now, I noticed that there have been a lot of new doctors in the last few years. So yep. The reality is that even with this increase, and I'm, I'm glad for the increase, I hope it continues, um, we're still way behind Europe. We're 50% behind Europe. Um, and actually, if I can answer the question, how many doctors we need in uh, Canada, uh, I'm going to go with 150,000, because when you crunch the numbers and bring us up to the European level, that's what it adds up to. Are people reluctant to go to a newly minted doctor? No, no, not at all. I, I think um, I think that people are happy to see newly minted doctors because those are the ones that are uh, most uh, up-to-date in many cases. So I don't think that's an issue. I, I still think that the issue is that we are, on a per capita basis, we're 50% behind the European countries that have all of the statistics that we're always compared to. You know, Canada is always compared to Europe in terms of our wait times and our quality of healthcare measures, uh, but no one seems to want to put two and two together. I want to hit something else that is actually uh, affecting a lot of people that I know and I think will affect a lot of people over the coming while is that so you know I'm 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 a baby boomer and I when I became an adult uh you know I wanted to go to a doctor who was kind of older and wiser mm-hmm. as did a lot of people and even if you have a doctor who's about the same age of you as you so he doesn't practice full time anymore but uh, this whole issue that doctors are going to be retiring uh just at a time when a lot of people as they age are really going to need a family doctor who's known them for 30 years and, and certainly that's a concern. Uh, there has been uh, concern voiced about the fact that uh, physicians have, um, on average, a higher age group than other professions. Uh, we've seen a slight trend uh, in the opposite direction in the past few years, but it's been very, very slight. What I've seen and been most impressed by are physicians who are in their late 70s and early 80s who continue to work because they know there's no replacement for them. And if they retire then patients will go without care. And I've seen that on a number of occasions, particularly uh, when I've toured up north, uh, most recently as in Thunder Bay. And this was, you know, I met some of these doctors and, uh, you know, all credit to them and all power to them for, for giving uh, to the community like they are. We all talk about 
technology is a way to alleviate this, but a lot of doctors are reluctant to, to use any kind of technology to cut down. I mean, basically, at this point, anything that you've got, you've got to get an appointment, go into the office and wait and start from there as opposed to sending a picture of your problem or something like that. Actually, the, the issue with the technology, so I use technology in my office, and I uh, had to, because I was going to be out of the office much more in my role as president, I had to figure out a way to let my patients still access uh, me, and so I did uh, sign up for email. The issue with technology, though, is that there are a number of regulatory impediments. Uh, I had to make sure that my server for email was a secure server behind a firewall in a proper space that was flood-proof, static-proof, etc., etc. And I had to get all of my patients to consent to this. It was a process that took nine months to, to do. So when people are already working fairly hard and they're you know, seeing patients on a regular basis in their office to then tell them, take on this project that's going to take nine months so that you can provide email access to your patients. It's a bit of a hard sell. Uh, I will say that technology has made a difference, and I think my patients generally have appreciated the fact that they can email me and get an email response back for their concerns, uh, most of which I can deal with, some of which still require them to come in at the end of the day. Uh, but there are some, some strong regulatory uh, hurdles. Now, the OMA is working to try and relieve that burden. We've got a virtual care working group with the, uh, with the Ministry of Health, and we're working cooperatively to try and re- to, to make it easier and not as hard as it, as it was for me to do that. Uh, and I'm hopeful we can have some information by the end of this year, actually, this calendar year on that. Dr. Gandhi, what would you like to leave us with on this subject? Just that I think it's great that the number of physicians is increasing in Canada. I think that's great. But, you know, if we're still behind Mongolia (laughs) in terms of numbers of doctors, we got a ways to go. That was Dr. Sohail Gandhi, president of the Ontario Medical Association. It captured the essence of being a single woman in the 1990s. Sex and the City began as a column Candace Bushnell wrote for the New York Observer before it morphed into a book and a hit TV series about the love lives of four New York women. Bushnell is back with another book based on her own experiences, this time as a Zoomer who leaves the city after the death of her mother and her dog, followed by a divorce. I chatted with her about, is there still sex in the city? You know, it's a trifecta of things that can go wrong in middle age. I mean, things that probably always happen is there's, you know, some kind of loss, and there usually is the loss of one's parent. That's just the way it's going to be. Statistically, no one's going to live forever. But then when you add that to divorce, then you've usually got moving And then you've got divorce, death, and moving, which are the three biggest stressors that a person can have. So there's a cohort of people out there who are, they're in their midlife, mid-50s, and they are dealing with a lot of different things and starting over. And it's not all bad. You had an enviable life. Were you surprised that suddenly you found yourself in this position? You know, for a lot of Women, especially if you end up getting divorced and you don't have 
you know, and you haven't continued to work and your, you know, ex partner doesn't have a lot of money, then it's a real, you're a really difficult time where you really have to start all over kind of back to where you were, you know, for some women, they'll feel like they're back to where they were in their early twenties. You opted to leave the city. I mean, our image of you through sex in the city was somebody who was so tied to New York city. What made you leave? And what do you think that says to other women in the same position? Something happens to people when they get into their late forties and early fifties, all of a sudden people get really, really tired of the city. And that happened to me. It just wasn't exciting anymore. And I to tell you the truth, I felt really burned out. And yeah, that you know, that happens. Um, I feel like I was lucky because I was able to leave. In terms of dating again, so Tina Brown, editor of The New Yorker, asked you to do an article about dating again, and you weren't ready. No, I wasn't ready. I really, I couldn't even think about it. I thought, you know, I've just gone through the whole relationship cycle. Got married, think everything's great, whatever, you know, and then you end up getting divorced. And I think that that comes as a shock to a lot of people because most people don't set out wanting to get divorced. And, you know, marriages just kind of fall apart, fade away. There's disillusionment. There's, there really can be a feeling of being suffocated, being stalled. You know, these things happen. And I think that those are things that... You know, nobody expects when you're starting off on the happily ever after journey. But, you know, as time goes on, you see that stuff happens. And what about sex? So you weren't ready to start dating again. And did you miss sex? I didn't make a conscious decision of, oh, I'm not going to have sex. I think that most women don't make that decision. And I also think that most women we're all lying about how much we have sex, which is probably not all that much. What I find is you have women who, you know, they're not really willing to have sex under the circumstances that it's offered. You know, I had a lot of married guys who wanted to have sex, but I didn't want to have sex with a married guy. So my feeling is as an adult, and I think this is something that we all should spend more time thinking about, You know, sex is great, but, you know, you really have to think about what are the circumstances. And how long did it take before you were ready to date again? Probably about five years. What did you find about the dating scene that had changed? People have a lot more choices. They have a lot or they think they have a lot more choices. And they have a lot of places where they can go out uh, that they can go to on the internet and, you know, feel like, Hey, I have all these choices out there. I don't need to settle for any one person. And that's probably the biggest hurdle that there is out there is that there's this feeling of endless choice. And is it an illusion? I don't know. I, I don't know. You talked about a new phenomenon called cubbing. 
it's when younger guys are in pursuit of older women, and I call the women catnip because they really are not looking for younger guys, and the guys are cubs because they are on the prowl. And one of the reasons for this is because of porn, you know, which has made a lot of things much more mainstream. And one of the biggest Googled porn terms is the MILF. And that is, you know, a young man having sex with a hot, older woman. So there's a a generation of guys out there who they find older women are sexy to them. And so, and that's a surprise. Candace Bushnell, thanks so much. Thank you. That was author Candace Bushnell. Her new book is titled, Is There Still Sex in the City? That brings us to the end of this edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer Moses Nimer. Produced by Christine Ross, Paul Thomas, Faz Kazi, and Justin Eacock. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.